episode of Intention is Everything. I am your co-host, Karen Frazier, and with me as always, my friend, Cheryl Knight-Wilson. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Karen. How are you doing? Well, you know, we had to, we, we had planned to do like a mid-month show because we always do them like twice a month, right? Yes. And then we started remodeling because where are we going to go and what else are we going to do? It's winter. It's, you know, we're, we're heading into, we were just talking about this off, off the air. We're heading into a year of this crap, right? Of this lockdown stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, so I started in December, I started working on our kitchen and I started really deep cleaning the house. And I think we talked about that a little bit probably on the last show. And well, what that led to is like, almost a full kitchen remodel. <laughs> well, that's a great benefit of being closed right? down in a lockdown, right? Right. But there, there was a little noise in my house for a few weeks. And so, and, and swearing, I'm not going to lie, there was some <laughs> swearing. And so I thought, it, so when it came time for us to record, Jim was actually standing on one of our new counters, right? And installing lights. Well, in our house where we live, it was, it was built by a guy, like he built it himself and he wasn't a builder. And so what we have discovered over the years is that nothing was done as you would expect it to be or normally, right? So whenever we remodeled anything, even something that would seem super simple, like replacing a light fixture, those things are held together with like chewing gum and wire hangers and rubber bands. And so everything is like, so hanging a light would take somebody an hour. It took us like a day just to hang a light in the kitchen because the wiring was not right. And the light box was right and nothing was installed right. And oh yeah. Wow. You are going to be so relieved when you are done with the whole project. Well, I'm going to have to start over or something if we're still locked down, man. Seriously. What are you going to do? What do I do then? Yeah. (laughs) I told you this off the air too. The irony is, is the other thing I've been doing is I absolutely did the whole deep clean of the house. Yeah. So you can, anybody could stop in at any time and basically eat food off my floors, but nobody can stop in. So we're totally set up for a party, (laughs) but we can't have one. I'm so sorry, Karen. I'm so sorry. I know. I know. But you know, it's actually it's, it's brought some things to mind that actually fit this show really well. So I'll just mention, because I've been thinking about this stuff as I've been cleaning and doing the stuff. And when we do things in our home, who do we do it for? Are we doing it so that people who come by are impressed? Or are we actually doing it for ourselves? And so everything I have done now is for us, for me, because I like it and because I want to live in an environment that's like that. Um, and so while I joke about, well, now nobody can come over and my house is like banging, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but the truth is, is that I am finding more quiet enjoyment of my home, even though I'd like to leave it just, you know, because I like going places and doing things sometimes. And <laughs> that's not like a thing right now. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I'm finding more enjoyment in my home and I walk through and I really like seeing everything. I like having more lighting in my house. It's prettier. And I like having yeah. clean drawers and I like having everything in a place and a place. I like all of that stuff. Um, and in the past, when I did like the really deep cleans, it was usually, I'll be honest, it was usually because my mom was coming. Yeah. I <laughs> you hear know. Yeah. 
And this, this is the first time in my entire life where I have done this stuff only for me because I want to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great distinction. Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it for others? Um, What if I tell you my answer is both? That's okay. I mean, you, you do you, man. Um, (laughs) But you know, it's like, so as you know, I write cookbooks for people on special diets and things. And, and we've talked real honestly in the past about me and my weight and my struggles with my weight and all of those things. And so um, it's something that has been, I would say one of the, um, for many years, at least my weight and trying to keep my weight within a certain range was almost one of the defining aspects of my adult life. And it was always because, not because I felt like I needed to look a certain way, but because I wanted to look a certain way for other people. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I used to train people and do personal training and and help people with weight loss and things like that back, um, and I came, and I will admit when I did this, I came from a very unhealthy place myself because it was so important to me that I appeared a certain way to people, right? And so, but one of the things that I would teach people is that if you are losing weight for someone else, it will never be successful. You Mm -hmm. can lose the weight, but it won't stick. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about because it's something I've struggled with as well. I think most people do. And I think it's because, and, and so one of the positive things about what's been happening with this pandemic and just everything that's been going on in the world is that we have been forced to inhabit our lives Mm -hmm. in a way that we probably haven't inhabited our lives ever in our generation at least. And so with that, what I have found is that I've really had to start to think and consider why, like, why all the busyness, why all the appearance things, why all the weight things, um, you know, why was I so convinced for so many years that if I ate, I was a bad person because eating makes you fat. Well, is that about me or is that about me worrying about what everybody else thinks? Right. Mm-hmm. And so this year off has really made me stop and think about those things and realize that I've done a lot of things for a lot of years, at least partially for other people and not nearly as much for me as I I probably should, or as I do now. I think that most of us, it's all about others. It's not, we're not taking the time for ourselves. It's not about us. And I think that that needs to change because speaking from personal experience, if if I am so busy trying to please everyone else, where does that leave me? And you actually have an article on the, the issue that's about to come out for Paranormal Underground. It's titled All Healing is Self-Healing. Yes. And that ties in here because we have to start healing ourselves to be internally happy with ourselves as people, if that makes sense. At peace with ourselves, I would say, if nothing else. Right. And I think that we've, we've spent so many, all of our lives being told what's wrong with us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's in our advertising. Women's magazines are the worst right? Mm -hmm. Because women's magazines are all about everything that's wrong with you. And they're all about selling this lifestyle that you're supposed to aspire to, and you're supposed to want, you're supposed to have. And so the Georges have said, since, since they started really pushing 
you know, we're going to talk and you're going to have people, you're going to tell people what we say, which has been about a year now that they've really pushed that before. It was always just kind of me and them. Mm -hmm. And this is, and so, but in what they've been calling this is all along, they've been saying, this is an opportunity. And um, I think we just need it to be this long because it was like the first several months were just freaking deprogramming because we're so programmed to be busy and be on the go and think about um, how proudly people tell you they're busy, how proud they are of being busy. Oh, I know, Karen, I've been a workaholic most of my life. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And, and, and we're yeah. taught to believe that we should be busy. Right. And when you take away all of the busyness, because we're not supposed to be going out and doing as much, then, you know, there's, have you heard the saying, wherever you go, there you are? Yes. Right. Right. Well, I mean, here we are. Here we so. are. So we've, the, we've had that busyness stripped away. We've had the need to um, put certain expressions on our face to please other people. That's gone. I mean, on Zoom, I still smile. I still know how to do it. But like when I'm out, when I first started wearing my mask out in public, it was really weird for me because yeah. I realized how much I used my mouth and the smile to show people that I was benign or that I was kind or that I was friendly or, mm -hmm. or all of those things. And so this major form of a way that I showed people that I was okay, right? Yeah. Went away as soon as I started wearing a mask. It's almost like, even though we have to wear masks, what it's done is it's stripped away our masks or it's in the process of stripping away our masks. And by those, I mean persona, which is mm -hmm. the, uh, the Jungian archetype of what we present to the world. There's something deep that has come out of the last year that if we pay attention to it, can have a really transformational effect. Yeah, if we allow it, it can. And I mean, look, I'm, I'm not saying that every day, I, I feel like it's Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. um, I miss my friends deeply. I miss my kids. I miss my family. I'd like to see somebody other than Jim occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, why? I don't know what you mean. No, I'm just kidding. Chad <laughs> and I were lovely. just joking about this very thing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a lovely man. And I, I, I mean, I married him. So clearly he's very important to me, right? But I, so I, I, I mean, I would be disingenuous if I said every day I wake up and I'm just so thrilled to be in this situation. It's, mm -hmm. it's getting to me. Yeah, it's getting to um, me too. It's getting to me. It's getting, it's, it's tough. But at the same time, I'm also, when this first started about a year ago now, I was very frantically still trying to um, make other people okay with it, help other people. Um, you know, I was doing workshops and I was blogging and I was spending a lot of time talking to people through things. And I was so busy paying attention to how everybody else was feeling and trying to make everybody else okay, that I didn't even consider whether I was okay or not. And it's only been since really since winter uh, has come since the weather's gone to crap and I can't go out and do anything again, that I've had to sit here with me and realize that really making everybody else okay was just another distraction and just another way of people pleasing and that what I have to do is make myself okay and most of the time I am but it it does get to you it, it 
it's a lot. So if you're out there and you're still struggling and, and we get it, everybody's going to struggle here and there. And it has been, I mean, you know, a hell of a month yet again. <laughs> you know, what, what next? What next, Karen? Um, I don't know what's next, but I have hope that things are going to go in a better direction here soon. Maybe it'll take a few months, but I think we're going to get there. Well, you create the better direction internally, and that's actually what we're going to talk about today, right? Correct. Is creating that better direction internally. What a segue, huh? <laughs> um, but you, you, you create the better direction internally by finding a place and a way to be at peace with yourself. And what we need is for everybody to do this, because when you're caught up in the um, anxiety, the anger, the frustration, the politicking, the um, divisiveness, the fear, you know, all of those things that are just swirling around out there, you contribute to that energy. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can shift the energy is by enough people disengaging and creating this oasis of peace for themselves. That's how we begin to shift things. At least that's what I believe. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Figuring out how to do that is difficult, but let's talk about a few ways that we have experienced and actually done ourselves to, to do just that. Okay. So what did you call this topic? I would call it fun ways to set intention in 2021. Okay. Very good. So 2020 was all about clear seeing, as you know, 2020, the numerology of it was four. Um, and the 2020 is for us is a vision thing, right? You have 2020 vision. It means you see well and you see clearly. And I think that numerologically we, uh, 2020 really, really did work because we had, we've been so filled with so much disinformation for so long that just nobody was seeing anything clearly. And I, I, as much as I hate to say this, because I know people have really struggled in 2020, I think we had to go through a lot of those things because all of those things were there to help us start to see more clearly. Now, 2021, the numerology of 2021 is five, and it's about creativity. It's about shift. It's about growth and changing. So, and it's also associated with your fifth chakra, which would be uh, your throat chakra, which would be speaking your truth, dwelling within your truth, um, stepping aside from criticism and judgment and things like that. So it feels like it's the, um, not the conclusion, but the ongoing next step in the cycle that we started last year. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. I like how you're explaining the uh, numerology because that's a subject I know nothing about. And so I find it fascinating. All right. So what were we talking about again now? <laughs> well, we were going to talk about some fun ways to set intention this year. Okay. That sounds good. For our five year, which is like I say, it's about creativity. It's also about like um, growth and, and truth and lack of judgment and lack of criticism and things like that. Why don't you tell me, I don't know if my ways of setting intention are necessarily fun, but they're what I do. So what did, what do you do that's fun for intention? Well, I just did something that I thought was pretty fun project and it was regarding a health intention. Okay. And I created a vision board that includes now images that I look at every day to remind me that I have an intention that I'm healthy. And my board, creating my board, so I, it's a mix of images of family, things I like to do, 
uh, places I like to go to, retirement images, a couple sitting out on the beach, you know, with their feet up, that kind of thing. Um, I have a lot of images of nature because that inspires me and it inspires me to work out and to eat right. So that's one thing that I recently did. How do you feel when you look at it? I smile. I feel happy. I feel motivated, extremely motivated because that's what I want for my future. And it helps me work towards it. Yeah. So interestingly, without even probably realizing what you've done, what you've done is you've used a form of cognitive behavior therapy, which is a therapeutic modality to create changes in behavior and changes in beliefs and attitudes and thoughts and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so essentially what's happened is that as you were creating your vision board, you were most likely in this really happy space because you were dreaming right? And you were like, right. how would I feel if I had this? And so you were really there in that space as you were choosing your pictures and thinking about it. You were in that space of this is how I would feel if I want these things. And so the act of creating that vision board created a feeling for you. It puts you emotionally in the space where you would be when you had actually already achieved those things. And then seeing that vision board every day serves as um, what they call in neuro-linguistic programming as a, an anchor. Actually, when you see it, it returns you to that feeling that you had when you were creating it. So it takes you again, at least temporarily, back to that space. And how you felt when you were creating it was that as if you already had all the things you were envisioning for yourself. That's very powerful. It is. It's extremely powerful. And when you're struggling with addiction, whether it's food or alcohol or whatnot, going to that place that you're describing instantly for me can snap me out of it. Yeah. Instantly. And yeah. it's very powerful and it works. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this is a technique that we've talked about before. I talk mm -hmm. about it in like almost all of my books that the anchoring, the neuro-linguistic programming and anchoring where yeah. you create the feeling as if you already have achieved it and then yeah. you anchor it some way. So you anchored it with a vision board. We've talked about this before. You can mm -hmm. anchor it by creating a gesture when you're in that place where you're feeling good, right? Where you're feeling as if you have what you want. And so you create the gesture and you hold it for a few minutes. And then anytime you yeah. want to experience that feeling again, you recreate that gesture. You can do it by holding a crystal or by holding something meaningful to you and visualizing all that energy going right into that crystal or amulet or whatever it is you have, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just hold that whenever you want to feel that again. It is for me, one of the easiest to understand get most powerful tools and you can do it around anything you can um do it like you know how when you're done working out I don't know about you but I used to be a runner and um so I would get the runner's high I mean and that was what I was in it for was okay how you feel when you're done running is spectacular I it, like it, it's amazing and so I would get the runner's high so, or people who do yoga and at the end of a yoga session, they're blissed out or at the end of the meditation session, they're blissed out or whatever it is, you can create once when you're in that feeling, if you create a gesture and hold it for a minute, not a gesture that you would normally do, but just something unique. 
and hold it or if you program that into a crystal or you program it into a necklace or whatever it mm -hmm. is then you can recall that and that works for anything whether it's willpower whether it's joy whether it's peace it'll work for anything but it also works the other way so if you program that unintentionally into something that also brings it back so yeah yeah. Well, I used to have these intention rocks. Here's another one that's that's kind of fun. They were these raw, this set of rocks in a little bag, and on each rock, you know, there was an intention, such as you know, happiness or health or prosperity or what, whatever, whatever was on there. And it worked almost like you're talking about right now as an anchor, because get them out, feel them in your hands, you look at them, and they just brought me back to that place that you're describing. They worked really well. I don't. I don't even know. I must have lost them in a move. I don't even know where they went, but they worked really well. So I definitely would recommend intention rocks, the little rocks that you carry around with you. Yeah. And you can buy those or you can paint them. I mean, you can, mm -hmm. if you're really crafty, you can do them yourself. My friend, Jamie is the best rock painter and she paints the cutest rock. She, she paint me like she sent it, sent me a set of seven rocks that she had painted that were chakra rocks. And then oh, cool. one of them was a George's butterfly because the Georges are identified with butterflies. And mm -hmm. so she painted a butterfly for one because she's really resonated with the George's message. And her intention as she was doing those, because you can do this for other people as well, as she was doing those for me, if I want to get my hit of Jamie energy, because I love me some Jamie, um, you guys have if you've read some of my books, Jamie is the Jamie who is in, uh, that I met at Wellington is, and we have been really close friends ever since. So she's all over avalanche of spirits and, and mm -hmm. dancing with the afterlife. And um, so, and I, I mean, we don't see each other often. We, we, you know, sort of stay in, especially in the last year, but yeah. we do stay in touch. We text, we, you know, things like that. And when I miss her, I can grab one of those Jamie rocks and there's that Jamie intention and energy in there. And so that's actually a really great way to connect with people that you can't connect with physically right now as well, is that create something with intention in it and send it to that person and have them create something with intention in it and send it to you. And then you hold on to that and you can experience their energy. That's totally one of the things I was going to talk about, basically partnering up for shared intention. Also, I wanted to mention what about intentional cooking? Now that's something that sounds extremely fun to me. I, I actually haven't done intentional cooking. I've heard a little bit about it, but what do you know about that? Well, so I do that all the time. Um, so for me, it's just, so first of all, you have to actually cook. <laughs> Which is why I don't do that. <laughs> but it's For me, it is about as I'm cooking, thinking about that it's going to nourish me and whomever I'm cooking it for spiritually, emotionally, physically, healthfully. And then um, you then also combine that with intentional eating and intentional eating. It is you eat with intention and you actually pay attention. So you eat slowly. You don't inhale your food. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I mean, what do you guys have better to do right now? Right. You're at home. <laughs> so eat intentionally, slow down. Um, I, it, it takes me probably a half an hour to 45 minutes to eat a meal. Okay. Because I eat very intentionally and I pay attention. I like when I take a drink of water, I actually sit there and I feel that I love, this sounds so silly, but I love taking a drink of cold water and feeling that cold water run down. And you can, if you pay attention, you can actually feel it 
run all the way down your throat and all the way down into your stomach. And it is the coolest thing. And, and then you do that with the intention that this nourishes me and this is hydrating me and this is, um, you know, whatever, whatever symbology you want to attach to those things. Wow. Intentional eating. Okay. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, you pay attention to the smell, you pay attention to how it looks, you pay attention to texture. And what I've really discovered along the lines of, you know, I was saying that I've always done things for other people. So cooking for me has always been one of the ways I say, I love you, right? Mm -hmm. I like to cook things, delicious things for other people because it makes them happy and it makes me happy to do it. And now that it's just Jim and I, I have actually find that I've been putting even more care into my cooking and selecting ingredients, thinking about the way that the ingredients I use, even as far as like how the packaging is going to impact the environment and how the food was, was it sustainably grown? Was it created by somebody that, you know, has a job and is paid well for what they do and all of those things? Those are all things that if they matter to you can really change your experience of cooking and eating. Mm -hmm. Same with cleaning. With cleaning, I have, think I've mentioned I've been cleaning a lot, (laughs) Um, but it's all been very intentional. As I think about it, I've chosen, I have totally changed the cleaning products I use. And I've found products that I like the way they smell. First of all, that's really, Mm -hmm. smell is huge to me. So I like the way they smell, but I also like the way they clean, but I also want them to be sustainable and, and all of those things. And so for me, I've always in the past just kind of used whatever I thought was going to get the job done the fastest. Yeah. And in the past several months, I've really changed and been much more thoughtful. And I like cleaning because it smells good and it's mm-hmm. sensory. The water feels nice. And I have these towels that are lovely now. I mean, and I've done some stuff that just seems silly. Like I bought Egyptian cotton bath sheets because I love taking a bath, but I always took the drying off process and just dried off as fast as I could. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I started to really pay attention to it, I realized that while I was using just normal terry cloth towels, they didn't feel great. And so I got these soft, fluffy, huge, absorbent, warm <laughs> bath sheets. And just even the act of drying off, the act of taking a shower, all of these things, all of a sudden, because I have the time to pay attention to them, it's Mm -hmm. all really for me, intention is starts with mindfulness. And the more mindful I am as I do things, the less likely I am to be caught up in the, oh my God, this has been the crappiest year ever. And oh my God, what's going to come in the year to come, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm out of the past, I'm out of the future, and I am right in the moment in sensation. And so what I found is that, again, I've been my, my biggest way of, and I guess it's a fun way of being intentional, is that I have really started to cultivate things that make the things that I do, even the things that seem like odious tasks, like scrubbing the toilet, right, that make them pleasant and enjoyable. Okay, scrubbing the toilet still isn't pleasant and enjoyable. But it's more pleasant and enjoyable than it was. Right. To me, sometimes focusing on the ultimate destination helps. That's rare because I feel like you need to focus on here and now to really experience things. And so, yeah, you want to look out into the future, but you don't want to do it too much. Focusing on this moment, setting intention on the moment. I get what you're saying. So almost everything you do could involve intention. 
it can um, be as mindfully done as humanly right. possible. And what I tell people, and this is really hard, at least in the past, this has been hard for people to understand, but I suspect maybe it's less so now. And I tell people this when I teach my classes, I write about this a lot, is allow yourself the experience and then analyze it and think about it later. For instance, um, my one of my friends is uh, claims he has never had a paranormal experience. He has. He's somebody who has been on a paranormal TV show. I mean, he was like a like a main person on a paranormal TV show. And so, and yet he's like, well, I've never had a paranormal experience. But I have been with him when he has had more than one paranormal experience. So let's just start there, right? And and yet he's always, oh, I've never had a paranormal experience. And I and I will say, well, what about this? Well, yeah, I mean, in the time it felt like it, but then when I thought about it and it could have been this or it could have been this. And I just keep saying to him, dude, what you need to do is allow yourself the experience. Just be purely in the experience because the second your mind starts to kick in and analyze it, you take yourself out of the experience and you start missing stuff. And so, I mean, but that can be said with everything. So say you're trying to lose weight, right? Um, because we talked about weight earlier. How can you be, ever be satisfied with what you eat if you don't allow yourself the experience of enjoying what you're eating? If you're worried about finishing, if you're worried about it making you fat, if you're worried, whatever it is, yeah. if you're worried about cleaning up any of those things. But if you allow yourself to have the sensation, first of all, you create something that you find really delicious and then you take your time eating it and you actually allow it, eat how it looks, how it smells, how it feels, the texture in your mouth, the taste all of those things, that's a much more satisfying experience. And honestly, that intentional eating and that intentional cooking and all of those intentional practices, that's how you can actually bring about change because you're bringing about those changes for yourself now because you're focusing on what you're doing. That makes a lot of sense. But why then is it hard to do that sometimes? Because we're so freaking busy. <laughs> because we're so we're so conditioned um, by our media and by our lifestyle and by all of the things that we're told we're supposed to value and the things that we're told are important and we're brainwashed. And I think we're brainwashed to believe we always have to be on the go. We, that food shouldn't be a pleasurable experience because you know, that beauty is pain. Okay. As women, we have, how many times have you heard this? Beauty is pain. Or when I was younger and I was a competitive bodybuilder and a runner and all those things, it was no pain, no gain. Mm -hmm. And so we've been conditioned with all of these thoughts and beliefs. And we have religious conditioning, perhaps, where if you enjoy something, it must be sinful. And we have societal conditioning that we have to look a certain way and we have to have our hair a certain way. And we have to have our clothes a certain way and and all of those things. And I think that we have so much of that conditioning bombarding us all of the time. And we never have the time to sit down and really sort through those things and think, am I doing this for myself or am I doing it for other people? Sorry about Mickey. Um, is this something that I truly like and enjoy or am I doing it because I feel I have to or it's expected of me? And I think that we just resist things. I, I'm guessing that we have a delivery here or something because he's barking with a mail truck outside um i'll just check my ring doorbell while we're talking but I, don't you think that that's probably part as much of it as anything is that we're just so bombarded and so conditioned and that's why i think that this is as the georges have told us an opportunity because we have the opportunity if we wish 
to turn off the Netflix to for at least 10 minutes a day to just sit down and check in with ourselves. When in your life have you ever had as much opportunity to check in with yourself as you do right now? Never. Um, we just published, we're about to publish an article in the magazine from uh, Dr. Athena Paracas. I'm hoping I pronounce her name right. But anyway, she she's known online as Sage Goddess. She wrote about managing stress and anxiety. And one of the things that you just brought up, I think is really important to reemphasize. And that's to do peace checks regularly. Mm-hmm. Check in with yourself regularly. And it's just, it's not some sappy, you know, self-help talk. It, it really helps. It really works. And, you know, whether it's once a day, a couple of times a day, you can just take five minutes, do some intentional breathing, maybe away from technology, as you just said, um, that's important. Um, she suggests you could do a little dance break to get your body moving and oh, yeah, I love that. stored, you know, stuck energy. That, mm-hmm. that you need to release, acknowledging what you're grateful for and um, celebrating your wins by writing them in a journal. Those are the types of check-ins, peace mm-hmm. checks, she calls them, mm-hmm. that can really help your spiritual uh, well-being. And I think it's, it's, that's a great point that you made. And it's important because we just, we're so busy. We just don't take enough time to do those peace checks. Well, and we've been, we've been conditioned to believe that if we are, um, if we put our own needs first, we're selfish. And that's just not true. And I, you know, look, I'm as guilty of believing that as, as everybody else. I have spent a lot of time over the years putting everything ahead of what I needed. And, and this past year, especially, I mean, this is something that's been coming on for me for a long, a long, long time, but I'm also in my fifties and, you know, I've gotten to a place where, where I have some perspective in life. And it's interesting to watch my son because he's, he's a lovely young man, but I see with him where he lacks a perspective like I did when I was 24. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, and so some of it is uh, just the natural process of maturing, right? And um, and mm-hmm. sort of getting my kids out of the house and getting away from the hustle and bustle and things like that. But but perspective is super important. And um, it's really hard to have when you're go, go, go all the time, mm-hmm. when you're locked in and tuned in, when you're trying to meet these societal expectations of yourself. And what I do with my self check-ins, and I do this regularly, like I was uh, doing something and work-wise, and I was frustrated about something with work the other day. And I messaged my manager and I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to step away for a sec. And I just, I mean, I just got up and I took a breath and I put my hand over my heart and I kind of, and, you know, and once I had done that and I thought, okay, is my frustration, what's, what is, why am I frustrated? How am I projecting? How am I um, accepting responsibility for something that I shouldn't be, you know, and I check in and I have just kind of this little checklist I go through and it takes me maybe a minute and I breathe and then I kind of, you know, and I was able to get right back to it and and respond to the person I was frustrated with, Mm -hmm. with a clear head and recognize that the source of my frustration really was something that was triggered from something else that I had little to do with the person that I was getting frustrated with. And, And so those things, the busier you are, the more important they are. So now is the time to practice those things because life will get busy again. 
Yeah, intentionally putting yourself into in someone else's shoes to understand helps in the moment, as you just described. That's helped me. That strategy has helped me several times to yeah. rein it back in, to yep. understand. It's very helpful. There's one more fun way to set intention that I want to mention. And we talked a little bit about this in a past podcast. It's setting intention in nature mm-hmm. is something that nature I really is love. my church, man. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love to do that. And it's even in a pandemic, you can go out into nature and you don't have to be around anybody. You can do this right even now. Even in the rain. Even in the rain and even in the snow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or I live you, in the Pacific Northwest, so, you know, it's raining. Right. Yeah. You can go in your backyard. You don't even have to go far. But if you have a tree in the backyard, you know, if you have oh, yeah. um, a place to sit in the backyard, in the front yard, on your porch, wherever, just, you know, where you can view nature and focus on it and set your intentions while while being in nature. I think it's very powerful. It's very calming. At the same time, it's very energizing. It's just something that that I, soak it up. I love. And the other thing that I think is really important is, you know, I've been joking about um, like being trapped in my house. But the mm-hmm. truth is, I'm not trapped in my house. I can get in my car and I can go somewhere. And so give yourself a change of scenery every once in a while, even if it's just take a drive along the river or, you know, things like that. So if the weather is just so inclement that you don't want to get outside, but you still want to get away from your home, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. You, we, we have this belief in our society that if we're leaving our house, we need to do it with a purpose. We need to go hiking. We need to go to the store. We need to go to a restaurant. We need to go to a party. We need to, whatever those things are, right? But bring back the Sunday drive, man. I love drives. Oh my gosh. I, I, love I love the love Sunday them. drive. Yep. So even they on are Monday. Amazing. Even on a Monday, even on a Tuesday. I would go every day. You can also enjoy it with a friend or a family member or a spouse, you know, and it's just a great way to get out of the house. You don't have to be around people and and you you can go anywhere. Exactly. Yep. And you can put on your favorite tunes and you can sing as loud as you want. Right. Yep. I used to commute one day a week. Um, I, you know, I, you know, I've worked from home for many, many years and um, back uh, before the 2008 crash. I commuted um, one day a week to my job and then I worked from home the rest of the day. And that commute was basically two and a half to three hours each way. Mm -hmm. And people would be like, oh my God, how can you even do that? And you have to drive through Seattle traffic and why do you want to, and you know what? That was my me time, man. Mm -hmm. That was because at the time that was, I was so busy and that was it. That was my me time. That was that three, four hours in the car one day a week. I loved that. Yeah. I didn't like the traffic per se, but I loved being <laughs> by myself in the car and listening to my music. And like this summer, you know, Jim and I travel a lot and we haven't flown anywhere. It's been a year now. We just, it's been almost exactly a year since we got back from Orange County. That's the last place we flew mm-hmm. um, when we went down and did the Disneyland thing and went to Laguna Beach and stuff. But we still went on socially distanced road trip drives. We mm-hmm. took so many drives this summer and it was lovely oh my gosh you know driving traveling it's such a feeling of exploration Mm -hmm. and it's such a feeling of freedom 
I remember as a teenager, I would go out in the middle of the night and sometimes alone, sometimes with friends and just drive the streets because nobody was usually out at one or 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I, I, I dig all of that stuff. I really love getting out. And I was thinking about this. If you have, um, so I was down at a, a grocery store here in town and this was several years ago now. And one of the gals at the grocery store, I said something about, she said, well, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, well, we're going up to Seattle and Seattle is now Seattle's an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. So not very far. I said, well, we're going up to Seattle. We're going to go do this and this. And she said, what's it like? I've never been out of Chehalis. And I couldn't wrap my brain around that at first, but then I started to think about it. If you have never been anywhere, right? If you're Mm -hmm. only in one place around one group of people reading one newspaper, talking to the same people day after day after day, how do you ever get any perspective or understanding of anybody else or anything else in the world? Mm -hmm. And so just for your own mental health and for your own connection to people and understanding of things, get out. You don't have to go far. You don't have to fly to a foreign country. Well, you couldn't if you wanted to right now, but you don't have to travel internationally. You don't have to spend a lot of money on it, but just get out of your bubble and experience other people and experience other places and other things. And even something, you know, 40 miles away from home, for instance, might, if, if you've never left your home, yeah, might be, I can imagine what that opens up to you. For me, I love to travel. I would travel all the time. Like, I wish Thank I could you. retire now and travel, <laughs> but yeah. you know, not yet. Um, yeah. Occasionally I'll, I'll travel. Um, but it's just such a you almost a euphoric feeling in a way for me. Yeah, I love I love traveling. I love seeing other things. And like when we, you know, we usually have flown places, but because yeah. of the pandemic this summer, we drove and we drove. I, I, I know I told you we went to like, I think like six or seven states and, you know, like eight national parks. Plus, we visited four others throughout the year, mm-hmm. things like that. It's just nice to get out. And I liked, I found, I liked that as much as anything else. And I went through states that were very different than where I live and with people who had very different thoughts and experiences and ideas than what I have. You know, I went to Utah and I'm not a Utah kind of person. I, um, and there's a very different mindset in, for instance, the state of Utah or even like Arizona or places like that. And if you don't go those places and see those people then you it's very hard to understand so when somebody believes something different like politically from you well it's easy to depersonalize them dehumanize them and be angry at them if you've never experienced them and never even seen where they come from or what might be informing those thoughts beliefs ideas and experiences yeah great point yeah Well, and that's the other thing that's, I think my biggest thing, and this may not be such a fun way to set intention, but I think it's perhaps one of the most important things that we can do this year in 2021 to set intention. And that is to remember that every person you encounter, whether you do it online, whether it's a phone call, whether it's somebody you drive past on the street, 
whether it's somebody you see in the grocery store, whether it's somebody who's not wearing a mask, somebody who is, somebody who believes something totally politically different than you, somebody who has a different gender identity, a different sexual orientation, a different skin color, different religious beliefs, any of those things, is that you have to remember that those are human beings who have backgrounds and experiences. We need to stop dehumanizing one another because if we never, if, if we can't see each other as human beings, even if they believe and feel and experience and live differently than us, then we're, there's no hope for us. You know, we have to recognize our common humanity. Right. And in the culture that we're in now, that is a huge area that has to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is, is that instead of meeting someone, and we were talking about this a little bit, um, we have very different political beliefs in our families, right? Mm -hmm. So for instance, I tend to be fairly liberal and my husband tends to be fairly conservative. And yet we're married and we do very well together. And it's because I recognize his humanity and I meet those things with compassion and understanding. And I actually ask him how he got to that, <laughs> mm -hmm. the way that he thought. Yeah. And so I just, if we're going to demonize people who, who are different than us, and look, I'm not saying that we should say that it's okay to be a racist, okay, or something like that. I'm not saying that those things are okay. But what I'm saying is that the way forward is to recognize and understand that people have experiences and backgrounds and all sorts of things that have led them to where they are, and they're still human beings. We don't have to agree with them. We can certainly try to help, educate, whatever, but to demonize them is why we have so much trouble, I think. Common humanity, folks, regardless of what you believe or who you love or any or what your skin color is or what your religion is or any of those things, you still have to, you know, you still have to recognize that even the people that you think are the worst people are still human beings. And they got to be what you see as the worst people because of things that have happened in their lives. I always tend to be a humanist first. So I, you know, I tend to look at someone's humanity and I try to look at things that are similar before I look at differences. Yeah, I think your point about understanding is really missing today in a lot of ways. And, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. So it, it can be very difficult to understand sometimes. We're all being brainwashed. And the yeah. reason that we're being brainwashed is for profit and power. Mm -hmm. And um, and I don't care what side of any spectrum you fall on, you are being brainwashed. You're being brainwashed for someone else's enrichment or for someone else's gaining of power. Yeah. And um, so because we're so brainwashed and because we fail to see, we fail to recognize our common humanity because we're told that if, if you're not with us, you're against us. And if you're against us, we have to demonize you. And that is enriching someone. Someone is getting something out of that. The us versus them culture that has really been amping up over the past you know, years, it's really grown tiring for me personally. And if we're not going to understand and if we're not going to, to really look at experiences that, that are different from ours, the divide is just gonna keep growing. Yeah, and the other thing is that we are all the same. 
And by that, what I mean is we are all made of the same stuff. We all come from the same source. We all return to the same source. We all have common spiritual DNA. And we are caught up in this illusion of being separate. And everything we do and everything we consume reinforces that illusion. And the only way that we can stop that is by opting out. I mean, and I'm not saying don't consume and don't watch TV and, but do it in a mindful and conscious way. And that's really what I've come to understand this year is that I can disagree with somebody 100% and it's okay. I don't have to support you. I don't have, I mean, I don't have to support what you believe. I don't have to believe what you believe. I don't even have to listen to what you believe, but I do have to recognize that you and I are still the same. We are still, we still have the common spiritual DNA and we're both caught up in our own illusion that has come about because of our own projections, our own experiences, our own backgrounds, you know, our own abuse, perhaps our own, whatever it is. And we live as human beings, we live in an incredibly abusive environment. And we, every single one of us, including me, contributes to that abuse of other people. The choices we make contributes to the abuse of other people. And the only way for that to stop hap happening is that we need to become aware we're doing it and opt out as often as we can. And nobody's ever going to be perfect at it. But if you catch yourself getting caught up in that us versus them mentality that is abusive I think so you know it's we have a choice um what we do about it I sorry you wanted fun and I went I went dark we went deep I went dark man <laughs> but, but, you know the only way to bring light to the world is to be light and I know that that's so cliche be the light you want to see in the world or whatever it is but it's true the only way to bring about change is to be that change the only way if you want people to, I am never going to make you more compassionate Cheryl by screaming god damn it why aren't you more compassionate you need to be more compassionate the way that I am going to assist you in growing your compassion and I'm not I'm this is just an example you're perfectly compassionate <laughs> is is by extending my hand compassionately to you and being compassionate no matter what you do or what you say and people um christians that is what jesus did right jesus embodied compassion jesus embodied love and i just use that because in United States, at least Christianity is kind of the, the most common religion. There are a lot of other religious figures who were, <laughs> who did yeah. things similarly. Right. But, so I'm not saying that I'm Jesus. I'm not saying that you're Jesus. But what I'm saying is, is, is that Jesus did sit down with sinners. Jesus, you know, there's that whole story from the Bible. And I was raised in the church of Zacchaeus, the tax collector who climbed up the, in the tree because he was afraid of Jesus. And the reason I know this is because I was in a play, a musical when I went to church when I was like about 12 and it was called Up in a Tree and it was a story of Zacchaeus. I could oh. actually still sing you the song, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Zacchaeus <laughs> nice. wants to see. I know that you're a small man. Anyway, <laughs> but but my point is, is, is that even if you look at, at religious things, it's about compassion, at least in the Christian religion and in a lot of other religions. It's about compassion and that the religious figures that we fo follow and that we revere, we revered them originally because of their compassion. So to use those 
to divide us instead of unite us is, is frustrating. Mm -hmm. uh, so did I, did I kill the vibe, man? No, no, you didn't kill the vibe. <laughs> it's all good. My Zacchaeus song made my throat hurt, though. Yeah. Well, well, you, you taught me a new song. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You know, the it was the theme song was I've been up in a tree, way up in a tree. <laughs> I need to ask Chad if he knows that that little song and story, because he knows just a, a tons of stuff about religion that I have no clue. Well, so that the musical was actually one that was written by somebody local and oh. in my church. And so we did it with another youth group. It was two youth groups and we did it and we went all over the state and performed it in churches. Wow. How cool. Yeah, it was kind of fun. I mean, clearly I remember it all these years <laughs> later. Right. I think I wore one of my dad's shirts belted over a skirt to look kind of like, you know, old fashioned togs. <laughs> Did they get it on video? Oh, you know, it was back in the like pre-video days, seventies, early eighties. <laughs> yeah, I don't, not many people. It might have been on like eight millimeter or something, but not many people had video cameras yeah. back then. I don't think. Yeah, we didn't. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God, most of my childhood is not on video. That's all I can say. I I did some really embarrassing things. <sighs> Anywho. Anywho. All right. Got anything else before we? No, that's wrap. that wraps it up. All right. Well, we're working on some stuff for the next podcast. So I have um, a book coming out, but I don't get to announce it for two more weeks. Oh, exciting. I know it is. It's in the metaphysical space. So it's going to be, it's, I, it's actually one that as I was writing it, it kind of kicked my butt because it caused me to do a lot of internal work as I was writing it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's a little different from, from what I've, the books I've written before, but it's more along the lines of like some of the stuff we've talked about today about personal transformation. So. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Super excited. So watch, watch for that. Maybe, maybe next podcast, I'll be able to talk about it. I hope so. Okay. Well, everybody hang in there. This too shall pass. Use this to, I mean, you know, you're going to have bad days and I get that you're going to have bad moments, but um, use that little anchoring technique because it's fabulous. Um, you can do like Cheryl's vision board, which is, I love those. I'm not crafty. I get glue all over everything <laughs> except for what I'm supposed to be gluing. And so I typically avoid projects like that because I wind up with like glitter in my hair and on the ceiling, <laughs> you know, and, and things like that. I'm just, I'm a very messy craft person, but, but yeah, I mean, it's a great technique. So try some of those things, reach out to people, um, try that combined intention thing where you, you share something with someone else, you send something to them that you've put intention and they send it to you and you can find little ways to be together through that. Uh, I think, have I summed it up? Yeah. All right. But hang in there. There, We will get through this. And this is an opportunity if you want to make it, you know, whatever works for you. All right. Till next time. All right. You guys have a good couple of weeks and we will be back with another episode of Intention.